Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, good morning, and again, welcome to Glory Church Online. Glory family, it is so good to have you again. If you were with us yesterday morning, I just want to go ahead and give you a shout out. Thank you for serving with us. We had our summer serve day yesterday morning all up and down Troost, and we were doing some gardening and planting uh, some vegetables at the Linwood YMCA to just help upkeep that place, our home. And so if you missed yesterday, know that we will have more opportunities in the coming months and years to serve. So stay with us. Um, But before we get into it, I also want to remind you of this upcoming Saturday. We are having a volunteer brunch, and I want to invite you. I would love for you to be there. Uh, Whether you have served at Glory Church uh, for the past uh, few months, whether you've been on our worship team or we're on the greeting team, our kids team, I would love to have you at our volunteer brunch where Kate and I can serve you. Also, if you've, if you've maybe never served in Glory Church but want to take that step forward, we'd love to have you as well. It's from 9 to noon, and we're just going to encourage you. We're going to pray over you. We're going to cast a vision, and we're going to just talk about your team and how things may have to look different in this, uh, the coming months. But August 2nd is coming soon. If you're jumping in maybe for the first time this morning, as you've probably already guessed, uh, I'm the lead pastor, my wife and I, and my name is Greg McKinney, and it is so good to have you. Uh, We are about to start our in-person gatherings again, so if you are just, have been tuning in online, it is a great opportunity. If you feel safe enough or you feel healthy for you to come on out, all right, we will be wearing masks, we will keep the YMCA clean, but I am so excited to worship together. So maybe it'll be your first time to be in person with us, but I'd love to see you in just two Sundays. Um, But this morning, we are diving into week five of a series called Hope in the Home. I don't know if you've been a part of it for the past few weeks, but we have been diving into some patterns, some behaviors, and I will say that this weekend, um, this past week, as I looked ahead to, to this morning's message, I actually went rogue. I decided to change up and reshape the whole uh, series, uh, both for the sermon today as well as the last one next week, and I decided to just uh, ditch what I had, what I had going. And my hope is that God meets us where we're at. Uh, this whole series, if you've been with us, has talked about patterns that have been at work in our home, maybe since childhood. Patterns that have been detrimental to our faith, beliefs, definitions of how uh, boundaries look like or what faith looks like or how uh, life is. We talked last week about scarcity and the word abundance. And so it has been a, my hope, a challenging few weeks for you. But this morning, why I am excited is because I I had a specific topic in mind that we are going to discuss. Topics that I I think are generational pains and, and, and issues, but God just met me and challenged me and convicted me on Monday when, um, I opened up and I was ready to dive into uh, what I thought we were going to talk to, 
to talk about this morning. And uh, God gave me a different direction because I, I do believe there is a struggle that we discount and discard as one of those, it'll just get better over time things. It's a struggle that is, it has uh, invaded our American Christian church. And it's actually a struggle that has been alive since the beginning of the organized church, since Constantine ever legalized Christianity. Even under the Roman rule and, and the United Catholic Church, uh, this problem remained. And back then it made sense. Um, we, we see church history that uh, people didn't know how to read, and so their only uh, belief, their only relationship with God's word was in the church. And that same issue can still plague American churches today. And so both this morning and next week, we're going to talk about uh, what our home's relationship with God's word is like. We're going to talk about our home's relationship. And I chose that phrasing, that wording very specifically, because our homes are waking and, and sleeping, are eating, are moving, are operating, are, uh, are breathing, are welcoming in or keeping closed doors. That person, who we are there, is often more us than the dressed up version of us that goes to shop or the dressed up version of us that goes to work or the smiling person seen on social media. And more often than not, God's word has a very small and narrow relationship with our home, with our hidden places, with our home. And just like the Catholic Church of old, we can, in our American culture, sort of uh, segment our relationship with God's Word, where it becomes, uh, we become accustomed to seeking the service, or seeking the message, the sermon, that week's word by the pastor, quicker than we can keep and seek the supplier of the word, that original supplier. And even during this pandemic, our phones are full uh, on social media of videos, of sermons, of podcasts with really, really awesome teachers. And what this can do, even though that is an engaging way to engage in God's word, it's creative, it's nuanced, there's uh, some powerful interpretation of, of the text. So that is a powerful way to engage in God's word. It is but a shadow of the beautiful communion, the closeness, the intimacy that God desires to have with you, with me. Our homes need a better relationship with God's word. And I believe that it is that, that point, that change, that shape, that restructuring of a habit, a pattern will inevitably change everything else around us. Now hear me, I'm not discounting this. All right, I'm not discounting my job, my role in your life. I'm not discounting the work, the hours that I put into a Sunday morning message. I promise I'm not doing that. I know full well that I am called to teach and called to shepherd. And I believe that many of you have stuck with Glory Church because you see that calling as well. But I do know that for you, if you're a believer, that my message on a Sunday morning, it is to reinforce reinstate, maybe challenge, convict, is to spur on or help counsel what God is already speaking to you. Did you catch that? It's not to be the only time that you get counsel or a reinstatement of truth. It's not to be the only time that you experience hope. It is to be a a continuation of what God is already speaking, and uh, we can get into the habit of struggling to believe that the pastor is uh, the mouthpiece of God for us, and we struggle to eat the meat of God's word on our own. I will tell you that for a pastor, um, 
This is a struggle that we ourselves can fall into. But listen, you believer in the room, my job is to not be the, uh, the only mouthpiece of God for you. My job is not to creatively deliver his message, message to you. My, God, my, my job is not to be the God for you. It's not to hand you God's wisdom or to give you all the counsel you need. My job and my role in your life is not to provide you with the hope when you feel hopeless. No, that is the Holy Spirit's job. And often we can blur the lines, especially in our church culture today, we can blur the lines and and look for the church, the organized service to provide us with what the Holy Spirit is he himself promises. And that's why we leave churches, right? Because it didn't go deep enough. Or that's why we leave churches because it didn't make sense. Or that's why we leave churches because it wasn't the flavor we wanted. And what we end up doing is creating this dichotomy and it is hurtful to our homes. I want my home to hear from the Lord. And that's not just because I'm going to church, but it's because I realize day in and day out, I am the church. My wife and I, we are the church. And so God is uh, at work in my home speaking and I need to hear it. So my job, uh, scripture says that the pastor's role is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And my job is to equip you to be meat eaters, to move beyond milk and to be able to know how to make food for yourself, to hear from God for yourself, um, because our homes need to hear him, right? My home needs to hear him. Over and over and over in scripture, God commands the Israelites to, to hold fast to his words, to remember his commands, his ordinances, that they are like sweet like honey, the taste on their lips, his commands. And so he, he just instates over and over. But one of the most well-known parts uh, in scripture that, that hits on this is Deuteronomy 6. And he says, keep the words that I've commanded you Keep them in your heart. Keep them. Recite them to your children and talk about them. When you are at your home or when you're away, talk about the words that I say. Not just, don't just know them or hear them, but talk about them. When you lie down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand. In other words, when you work, when you do the work of your hands, that you look down and you would see my words. You'd hear me. That fix them as an emblem on your forehead. That when other people see you, they see my words as an emblem on your forehead. That when you look at yourself in the mirror, you see my words as a a focus of truth. And write them on the doorposts of your house so that when you walk in, you are already knowing my words. You're hearing me in your home because you just read my words. When you leave, write them on your gates so that when you go to the marketplace, when you go to work, when you go out into the harvest, that you hear my words because you just read them. And if you've been with us at all, you've probably come accustomed to this phrase, but I, I say it often, especially in the context of one of our values being we live his truth. And the reason is because the phrase is uh, we go to what we know. We go to what we know, and day in and day out, uh, God knew my people, Israel, will always go to what they know. When they get the promised land and they come to all these blessings, if they do not know my words, they will go to what they know. And we know our flesh a lot more than we know our spirit. We know our flesh. We know the cravings, the ways of the world way more than we know the ways of the kingdom, and we will go to what we know. When I was a student pastor, both myself and our children's pastor tried to uh, say this over and over to the parents of our students in our ministry. We tried to give them clarity. We tried to say, hey, we only have your kids maybe three hours a week, if they're at everything we do. 
So our three hours of trying to speak truth into them is no match for the hundreds of other hours that they are, they are with, uh, that they hear the ways of the world, that they hear the ways of the enemy. So we need you parents to assist us in speaking so that they may know truth because they will go to what they know. And as, as adults, we do the same. Our homes will always be bound by the fear, the deceit, the lies, the sin patterns, the lust, the, the wrong beliefs. They will always be hit by the idolatry until we change what we know. And sadly, I wish it was, was different, but my 35-minute message is no match for the hours of lies that the enemy speaks over and over into my home. I mean, even as a man, I know how to lie sometimes more than I know how to love. We know how to be angry more than we know how to love. We know how to lust. We know how to deceive. We know how uh, to, to be selfish. We know how to be envious or prideful. We know how. And often, if we do not hear the voice of the Lord in our homes, the other voices will be at display at work. And it will be seen in all that we do. Uh, So this morning, we are going to be talking about our home's relationship. And next week, I'm excited, we are going to do, uh, we're going to do what we talk about this morning. Because we have two things going on. We're going to both talk about how we perceive God's word, maybe a perception change for us. And we're going to talk about a, a creative discipline of how you yourself can engage in God's word. And the next Sunday, I'm actually going, I've never done this before, I'm a little nervous, um, but I'm actually going to interact with this discipline, the discipline of how to engage in God's word. We're going to do it live together. I've never done that with other people, and I've especially never done that over a camera, but we're going to do this discipline, and my hope is that God meets me in the place as I film and that he meets us as we do it together next week, Um, but my hope is that this perception change that we're going to talk about will help combat the drug that a Sunday morning church experience can become. Did you know the enemy wants you, wants you to, to uh, capture and, and compartmentalize God's church so that it is only a thing that you go to to hear from him versus who you are, your ability to hear from him day in and day out. Uh, We are not to be empty tanks that get full on a Sunday. We are to be tanks that get filled by the Holy Spirit, and it's a continuation on a Sunday. Now hear me, there are going to be times when you feel hurt or needy and and hungry, and the message on a Sunday is just for you. But my most uh, amazing compliments that I can ever receive from a message is when someone says, Greg, Pastor, you spoke directly to me. God has been teaching me or speaking that to me for a while, and I don't know how you got into my prayers, but you spoke exactly what he's been speaking, and it was just this confirmation. Or I have felt like it for a while, but I've never had the practical steps of how to do it, but you spoke it, and so thank you. It's because a Sunday needs to be a continuation. So we have to have this perception change. So if you're taking notes, um, I need you to write this down. If you're not taking notes, I encourage you to do so because we got some practical things to dive into. But first, it's a perception change. So here's a truth that I need you to chew on, to believe. That the Bible, it is not a book to read. It is spoken words to hear. 
the Bible, the powerful truth of God's word is that it is not it is not words to read. They are not words to study. And I will tell you in our modern day where we have so many books, we have so many opportunities to study. We can literally Google a word and, and research and find dozens of articles that we can uh, consume knowledge with. The Bible is not that. What separates it from every other written work, whether it's a digital work or a printed work, is that these words are beyond readable, that they're readable and some. In fact, anyone can read from from Jesus's life and get out truths of how they could live, how they should live, what good actions they should bring into their life. Anyone can do that. But life change is only possible when we hear the Spirit's voice amidst these words, when He counsels us, when He directs us, when it becomes this surrender, this change, this life change at work. And so we get dry and the Holy Spirit, when we open up his words and just try to read it, when it tries to be an answer to our question, and that's it. Because the Spirit wants us to grow in a relationship with him. So when we go to a book to find an answer, we just have a relationship with the book. And we close it and put it away, and maybe do or don't do what we read. We cannot engage in God's word like that. It's not a book to read. It is spoken words to hear. And many times we see it as a a formula to answer our questions or a fix or a check off the list, but it is not. It's not about reading. It's about listening. Now write this down, that reading implies that we are the ones in control. And this is where we have to get very hard on ourselves, where we have to get very blunt to ourselves. Our relationship with God's word for, for many years, my relationship with God's word for many years was solely to read it. And what that looks like is it's me in control. I determine when I open it up. I determine what I read and what I read only. I determine the level of time I have to commit to it. I determine when it is boring and I just want to look at something else. So I don't understand this. So I put it down and close it. We act like the Bible is something that will meet our needs, but the Bible is to be the beautiful spoken word of God that literally creates for us a relationship with him. It's not about us having answers. It's about us meeting God. And this is when we are in control and hungry. It just reinforces that dryness. Do you ever feel like the the Bible is boring or hard to understand? It's because often we read it with our mind, searching words that make sense. Instead of reading it with our spirit, searching for words that we can hear. You see, where reading implies we're in one's in control, listening, it surrenders the reins to another. Do any of you struggle with active listening? I do. When someone else is talking to you, you know you're not good at active listening when you're already trying to formulate what you're going to say in response, especially in an argument. Have you ever been there where someone is talking and you're already formulating your uh, response or reaction to them? That shows that we are bad at active listening. But active listening in scripture is when you come to a page, even if it's something you chose to read, you come to it and you submit and surrender and say, God, I'm going to look for you. I'm not going to do this because I need an answer. Even though sometimes we do, we need answers. And so we search, God, what do you say about this? And that's good. But our relationship with God's word should not be solely that. It needs to be the surrender of God. I just want to learn from you. A surrender. I surrender. And what happens over time is it breaks down the barrier of legalism in us. 
I don't know about you, but I grew up in, a, uh, in the quiet time era where everything you heard about the Bible, it was always, you need to have a personal quiet time. When I was in accountability groups or discipleship groups, they would say, hey, how many quiet times did you have? And you wanted to be the person who could say, I had seven, because that was the magical number. That was what you wanted to achieve for. And so I remember my ritualistic, legalistic self making sure that I checked off those boxes and, and I read those scriptures. And what ends up happening when we read, it's this, head knowledge, and we're not really sitting to hear. And over time, what this did is it built in a lot of shame in me. Because I don't know about you, but I have a lot less time now as an adult, especially with four little kids, than I did when I was in college. And I may not have an hour to give, or I may not have those late nights on my own where I can just sit and read God's word. It doesn't feel like that. My wife and I, we had to come to terms with where the enemy is wanting to build in shame because of our legalism. God is saying this season is different. And so I want to press in, know that the Bible is more than just reading. It's about hearing. And so there's been sweet times when my, myself or Kate, we, are, we have the kids doing something or we got, we got them under control and we're sweeping or we're cleaning or we're doing something or drinking coffee because God forbid we um, open up a book because the moment that happens, someone's going to come. But it's the sweet moments when we just are alone or doing something with our hands and God speaks. And he speaks not something new. He speaks something maybe we read a week ago, months ago, years ago. And for some reason, when he does it today, it makes way way more sense than ever before because it fits into where we are now. It's because though it is the Bible, it is words that were written in the Bible, they are now words that were, were beautifully spoken by the Holy Spirit in us. That shows intimacy because God wants to speak to us in our homes if we were to only listen. You see, listening creates discipleship. Reading is just a ritual. We won't become disciples of God's word if we merely read them. We will just know God's word. We will just know how to talk about God's word. But when we hear God's word, we become disciples who live it out, who live it out, who are changed by it because it's on our minds and our mouths. So this morning, the next half, literally the next 10 minutes of our time together, I'm going to dive into one of my most favorite disciplines when it comes to engaging in God's word. Because I'll tell you, one thing that we come to like sometimes as uh, pastors is the uh, feeling that we are the only ones who know how to really interpret God's word. And that is a load of bull, I can say. You have the ability, you have the same spirit in you that I do. And though I might have the gift of teaching, we all have the gift of the Holy Spirit ready to counsel us and lead us. So this morning, he's going to do the same. I I encourage you to to take notes, all right, because we're going to dive into one of the most um, hardest disciplines when it comes to reading in God's word, but it's one of the most sweetest. You want to know how I can see the things I see when I read God's word? It's because of this discipline, something you can do as well. So it's going to start off, and it's called Lectio Divina, which literally is just a a fancy uh, Latin phrase for divine reading, 
All right, and it's things that the monks have done for years because they knew that these texts are not things to be studied. These texts are beautiful words to hear. They are avenues to have communion with God. It's not about understanding. It's about coming to a relationship. And so Lectio Divina is all about that. You will come to realize that it's not about studying God's word. It's about hearing him. So Lectio Divina, whether you've known it or or maybe have never heard of it before, it has four parts. And I encourage you, if you've heard about this before, still lean in, take notes, because my hope is that God speaks to you about his words and how to engage in them that maybe go further than you've ever gone. So there's four parts with Lectio Divina. They are reading, then meditation, then prayer, and contemplation. And you will see as we get into this that the first three are, are things that we will engage with often as we do Lectio Divina. And the last one is something that hardly ever happens in our first few times of diving into this discipline. It is something hard to do to get to that last tenet of Lectio Divina. But my hope is that you can build up the discipline to get there because those are the beautiful and sweet times. So it starts off with reading, which is, is just one aspect of the whole four, because again, it's not only about reading, but it starts with reading. And so when I say this, and I say this all the time for people, it doesn't matter what you read, all right? It just matters that you choose a section. And I always tell people when you do it, choose a small section. Uh, less is more in this, especially when you are starting out. So choose four to tops eight verses at the beginning. And it can be from the Psalms. It can be in, a, in the Gospels. It can be one of the, the letters of, of Paul. It can be in, a, uh, in the Pentateuch and, you know, talking about the, the patriarchs. It doesn't matter. Just choose something and dive into it. And what you will do in this time of reading is you will read the text three to five times. And maybe read it at a normal speed. Then maybe the next time read it out loud. Maybe the next time read it slowly. And then read it quick. You know, just change the tempo of it. Because what I want you to do is to get used to the wording of it. Used to the progression. This is when I, when I open up for a message, I love to write it out. And the reason I love to feel how the words go. And I know that sounds strange, but as you get into this, you'll realize why. You, you want to know the progression. So if we were to do that with the Deuteronomy passage that we just did, I would know that God starts at first of saying, have my commandments on your mouth. Talk about them to your kids. Talk about them when you go home. Talk about them when you're laying down. And I would know the progression of it, that then it goes to bind them on your hands, then your foreheads, then it would be your house, and then on your gates. And I would see as I do this a natural progression of what we do with God's word. And the same thing is done whether you are in a story. As you get into this, take note of, of, of who the characters are in the story. If it's just a letter from Paul to the, the church at Rome, take note, this is not to me first. This is to the people of Rome. So they had a reason to hear, to need to hear these four to eight verses. And so as you read in it, you are just uh, getting clarity on the layout of this text. And then this is where maybe you're not used to. You close it. You close that Bible app. You put it aside because now we move into part two of this discipline and it's meditation. And I will tell you, this is not the whole, um, it's not a weird thing. Meditation just simply means you sit and you wait. 
And I will say this is the hardest part for American, uh, American Christians because we struggle with giving up that much time, of slowing down our mind. We struggle with taking captive our thoughts or our to-do lists and just surrendering them to Jesus. But all you need in this is no longer to read. You don't even need the Bible in front of you. You need you, the Holy Spirit, and time. And so in this stillness, you just sit. And yes, it's going to be boring. Yes, it's going to be so boring. You may fall asleep. I have fallen asleep. I've done Lectio Divina in a, uh, a graveyard before, and I fell asleep on a blanket in the graveyard. Uh, people were running, running around. There was a, tra- a trail that went through the graveyard, and of course they saw me, and I was the weirdo sleeping there because sometimes meditation is hard. But what you will notice as you do this is there may be certain phrases or words that come to your mind like never before. Or maybe you, you, you're like, maybe I should read the scriptures again because I forgot all of those verses except the word abide. And that is okay. Because it's not about reading, it's about hearing. And maybe this word abide needs to be leaned in on. Or maybe as you do this, all you can think about is the stressful conversation that you have to do at work. Or maybe all you can think about is that conversation from the past or the to-do list. I need you to realize what your mind is going to. That's what meditation is all about, is, is owning what is happening now. And you just sit in the silence. And you will realize that part three of this discipline will come next. Prayer. In fact, prayer and meditation will go back and forth and back and forth because as thoughts come to your mind, you don't just let them drift. You don't just let them take you astray, but you, you take them to Jesus. You take them uh, to the Father. You take them to the Spirit. So you say, God, why is the word abide the only thing that comes to my mind? Or why is that character, that seemingly second-rate character in that story coming to my mind? Is it because I've been acting like them? Is it because I need to learn from them? Is it because this word abide is something I struggle with? Why am I getting bored to this text? And so you start having conversations with Jesus about what you read or meditated on, where you honestly say, God, is there a reason why the enemy wants me to be bored right now? Why he wants me to see that this is all dry? Is there a reason why that conversation is coming? Is is there something that I need from this passage that will change how I react and relate in that conversation? Or is there something I need from this that will reframe how I live out my to-do list? And we start talking to God because this is the point of God's word is that it's something that we are to react and interact with, that we are to respond with, that we are to take and be raw with. God, I don't understand this part. Or for some reason, this phrasing is just talking to me. It's speaking out loud, or I was, I was got emotional here, or I've never been angry uh, like I have at this, or this didn't make sense to me. And so you lean in on it and you press in. This is how we pray And this is how we go back to meditation. You just wait and you talk and you wait and you talk. And I will say sometimes it may feel like nothing is coming. And that too is okay. You talk. You disclose your feelings to the Father who cares. And you talk. And then maybe, maybe you will be able to move into the last and final section of Lectio Divina and its contemplation. I say maybe because many of our times of Lectio Divina will just end with this back and forth of prayer and meditation. Prayer and meditation, we get antsy 
or we get anxious, or we realize too much time has gone past, and so we, we literally don't have time, and so we go into our day. And contemplation is a hard thing to get into because contemplation literally just means it is that stillness that comes, the deep and abiding okayness where you are just okay with the fact that your life is in shambles outside of this moment, but for some reason God is present and you are okay. You are okay with the fact that life is crazy or that that you feel like you had no provision yesterday, but you're okay with it now because God is here. My best way to explain it is it's that elderly couple who have known each other for years and they're out at dinner on their anniversary and they're just talking about their marriage. They're just having good conversations about their day. Uh, they finish the appetizer, the, the, uh, the entree, and now the dessert has come and they literally don't have anything else to say. And they're not needing to say anything else. They're not looking for the other person to say anything else. They are just okay with sitting because he can look up from his dessert and he sees her and that's all that matters. She can look up from her dessert and she can see him smiling and that's all that matters. They don't need to add anything else to this. They don't want to take it away. They just want to sit. And this is the type of intimacy that God wants with us, where we can just sit and know he is smiling with us. That may seem weird. That may not feel like uh, something you would like to do, but trust me. It is when we can hear and feel and see him in the silence that we will be able to transition and hear and feel and see him in the chaos. Does that make sense? It is the times of contemplation, those beautiful moments where we just are awe, are in awe of his glory, that we are disciplined to be able to hear and see that same glory when we are with a community, with people in the trenches. And this is something our homes need. Now, I'll tell you, sometimes of contemplation, you will get a word or you will get an answer and you will know without hesitation that action step or what to do next. But remember, this is not about what to do Right, it is not about the answer. It is not about having that aha moment, though sometimes it will come. Lectio Divina is about having that awe moment with a father, a God who intimately cares for us. And this is something that we intimately need. So as we close this morning, I just want to pray over us. And, and I just want to cast already a vision on the fact that we're going to do this together next week. And yes, it is going to be weird for me. Uh, to do, but I'm going to press into it because I know that the, sometimes the best disciplines are done at, when they're modeled. And so I want to encourage you to already go ahead and do Lectio Divina, practice it this week. And we're going to open up a text, and I'm not going to study for this text. I'm going to open it up that day and be raw and real and vulnerable and present with it, just like I would want you to do as we open up Lectio on your own. Okay? As we close, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to end this morning off. So God, I pray that you take these practical things. God, it may feel very strange for those who who are used to maybe a, a diving into a single text or used to some aha moment of a sermon, but God, those are worthless if I do not do my job as a pastor to equip people. So God, with this equipping, may we go out and learn to see your word differently and to do Do this reading in a way that is truly listening. So God, I pray that we can set aside time this week to do Lectio Divina, to hear from you, 
that it's not about a text to study, but a voice to hear. And God, may our homes be transformed forever because of it. In your name and for your glory, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.